Um, if you would, go ahead and grab your Bible and stand. We want to make a confession over the Word. This is going to be the third message in our Salt Life series, and I'm really excited about talking with you today about being fishers of men. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and raise it up. And everybody say this after me. I thank you, Father, that your Word has the power to change my life. Today I give heed to it. I allow it to go into my ears and then into my mind and then into my spirit. I am a hearer of the word and a doer of the word and I will never be the same after today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, About three years ago, we took our family on this shark fishing trip right outside of Myrtle Beach. We rented a boat, and they took us out into the ocean, salt life, to shark fish. And I captured a little bit of video, and so we've got a really short video. You want to see it? All right. You guys go ahead and roll it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now. From the beginning. So that is a shark, I mean, I'm sorry, that is a fishing story. And we had an absolute amazing time. There was this restaurant that as soon as we got off the dock that would take the fish that you caught and they would cook it and they deep fried it and we sat and we had an amazing meal. It was absolutely phenomenal. Anybody ever done that before? No? You should do it. It's an amazing place. We had an amazing meal that day. And that is a fish story. And I would argue that your life and my life is a fishing trip. And because it's a fishing trip, we should have fishing stories. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the, look, to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5, and we are going to look at verses 1 through 11. Jesus was preaching to a huge group of people on the Sea of Galilee, on the shore of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was 13 miles long it was eight miles wide and it had 30 towns on the sea of galilee and so jesus is talking to people he's preaching and there are so many people there there are so many people there that are pressing that he thinks to himself well i I think i need to improvise and so he improvises he does something very very interesting 
Let's look. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. One day, while Jesus was preaching, he noticed two boats at the water's edge where the fishermen had left them. And they were washing their nets. They had fished all night long and they hadn't caught anything. Now, how many times have you fished? How many times have I fished? And we haven't caught anything. I remember when I, or the story goes, the first time that I ever went fishing, my father took me fishing. I was about three years old and I was super excited to be able, I don't remember that far back, but the story goes like this. I was super excited about going fishing with my father for the first time. And when I got there, I got my pole in the water and my pole starts to nosedive into the water. And my little three-year-old self cannot contain it. So I begin to reel just like I'd see my father do. And I would reel and reel and reel. And I pulled in this huge, massive, gigantic maple leaf. I had caught a leaf. And um, of course, an excited three-year-old, I didn't realize that I hadn't caught anything. I was excited because I had caught a leaf. So I ran into the kitchen to my mom and I ran into her arms and, and I said, mom, mom, you won't believe it, but I caught a leaf. <laughs> and that is a true story. So these guys were upset they were not excited. This was their livelihood. They were not excited about catching a weef. They were mad. They hadn't caught anything all night. And so they were mending their nets. Now, as you study ancient fishermen, they would spend the lion's share of the time mending nets, fixing nets. And so they, these nets were large and they had weights around the edges and you would throw the nets over fish. The weights would sink down around the fish and then you would pull the rope and you would catch fish. So where they fished at the Sea of Galilee, they would fish at night. The fish would uh, swim in the shallows at night and so they would catch these fish at night. And no one would even think about no great fisherman would even entertain the thought of fishing during the day. During the day, the fish were deep. So he, being Jesus, noticed a boat at the water's edge. And there were guys, there were, there were men there washing the nets. And so stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon to push his boat into the water. And Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowd from there. What I find really interesting was that Jesus was trying to preach to this big crowd. He was, he was trying to speak on the beach and that wasn't working. People couldn't hear him. So he saw a boat owned by Peter and he got into the boat and he, he told him to push it away from the shore and Jesus used technology. You see, technology is defined as the application of science or, or scientific knowledge for practical use. That is the coolest thing is to watch Jesus use technology 
to minister to people. We use technology to minister to people. You're hearing me through technology. We lean into technology. Jesus leaned into technology in order to share the gospel. He used the acoustics of the ocean and the natural acoustics of the mountains and the hills that were behind him that formed this megaphone so that Jesus could talk at a normal voice and thousands and thousands of people could hear it. I like also the fact that Jesus used something as common as a boat. He noticed that boat and that boat became his pulpit. So I've got to ask the question, what in our lives seems very ordinary, but Jesus wants to turn it into something extraordinary? What in your life is commonplace that Jesus wants to turn into a pulpit. What interests do you have? What experience do you have? What slant do you have? What hobby do you have? What platform has Jesus, uh, do you have that Jesus wants to turn into a pulpit? It's time that we notice things like this like, like Jesus did. Because, you see, there are three groups of people here at Living Word. The first group is the group that are here that are not believers. There are people that come here every week that have never stepped across that line and are not followers of Christ. Well, I want to tell you guys that you are welcome here. This is a great message for you to be here. It's a great weekend for you to be here with the unveiling of our new space. And so, and also you're going to understand how much you matter to God and how much you matter to us. Because you were on our minds when we designed and created this experience this morning. Now, there's a second group of people, and that would be those of you that are here that, are, that you are believers. You may be a brand new believer. Um, maybe you've stepped over that line and you've raised your hand but you've never actually gone fishing for people that don't know the Lord. You've never, ever shared your fishing story with others. You never said, hey, this was my life before I met Christ, and here's how I took the bait, Jesus, and I was hooked by the Spirit of God, and I was brought into the church to be discipled, I was caught to be released back into ministry. You've never really done that. And there's a group of people here that fall into that category. And then there's the third group of people. And, and those are the people where you are believers, you're follower of, followers of Christ, and you're sharing your fishing story. It's amazing how people who love to fish love to share fishing stories as well. And we've got those of us that, are, that were caught by the grace of God. We've been hooked by the Holy Spirit. And we have taken the bait. We're Christians. But rarely, rarely do we really go fishing. We talk about fishing. We buy fishing gear. We sing fishing songs. We go to these beautiful aquariums of which this one is gorgeous. However, 
This aquarium is for one thing and one thing alone, and that is for fishing. It's for us to be here to be strengthened so that we can be God's hands and feet to other people. It's for the people that we bring that are unsaved to be able to come in and experience the gospel and the love of Christ in a very modern and clean and comfortable atmosphere. It's an incredible, that's very, very important. So we've got to ask ourselves with our boats and who we are and what we have in our life lives to offer our interests and our skills and our passions how can God use us and turn that into his pulpit a place where we can share our story with other people but I want you to notice also that this boat was also not only a platform for Jesus but it was also a place of instruction to Peter he, taught, he not only taught from it and preached from it, in fact, it was probably a place of irritation for Simon Peter because he was like, what? I'm already tired. I've been mending the nets. I haven't caught anything all night long. And now you want me to get back in the boat and push the boat from shore. And you want to use my boat, a place where I haven't caught anything all night to preach. All right. It was a place of instruction from Jesus to Peter. He used it to teach Peter. And so what's funny is that there's a rule when you go fishing with a guide. And that is that you, you never guide the guide. They know more than you do. And yet Jesus does exactly that. He's guiding the guide. He's going to do that to Simon Peter. You see, Simon Peter is an old salt. He's an old fishing hawk, and Jesus is a carpenter. Hammer and nails, finishing and foundation, that's what Jesus knew. And now, Jesus is going to talk to Simon about fishing? So, the Bible says that stepping into the boat, he ignores Simon Peter, and he asks him, to push it into the water so that he could have a better look at the audience and the acoustics and using the technology and all that stuff. But I want you to notice the conversation. Luke 5 and 4, it says that when he's finished speaking, I love this part, he says to him, go out where it's deeper. This is Jesus, the carpenter, telling the guide, go out where it's deeper. Now, the second command was this, let down your nets. Simon, go out and then let down your nets. And don't you know that Simon had to be like, you've got to be kidding me. I've already cleaned the nets. We've been working all night. We finally got all the seaweeds and all the bean cans and all that kind of stuff out of the nets. And now you're asking to lower the nets again in the middle of the day. It's 100 degrees. The nets don't go as deep as the fish are. We're not going to catch anything. That's what he had to be thinking. And so, but there were two commands. Go out into the deep and let down your nets. 
And you know, I really think that that's what Jesus wants you and I to do today. If we're Christ followers, Jesus says, if you want to go deep with me, then go deep. It's right there in the Bible. Go out and don't just go out into the lost, into the deep and work on your spiritual tan with your Hawaiian tropic. There's all kinds of people that are hanging out with lost people and they've gone deep, but they haven't dropped their nets. They haven't told their story. Go out where the fish are in your neighborhood, on the soccer team, in your schools, in the hospitals. Go out where the fish are in the corporations and in the firms and in the salons. Go out, but drop the net. Say something. Tell your story. Share the gospel. And I I love this excuse that Peter gives. He says, we've worked hard all night. And in verse five, he says, we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, you know, it's interesting that Jesus, even though Jesus doubted or Peter doubted Jesus, he went ahead and did it anyway. Do you know, Jesus can still use you and I even when we don't measure up. And so he says, hey, if you say so, I don't believe you, but if you say so, I'll do it. And so Simon Peter has a world record catch in the middle of the day. They drop the nets and look at all the fish. Look at this fish story. It says that this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear and they shouted for help and they called the other boat to come over and to help. And even that boat, both boats began to sink because they caught so many fish. I love it that Jesus is interested in our normal daily routines and our activities. See, Peter was a fisherman. That's what he did. And he had seen Jesus drive out demons, heal the sick. And yet look at his reaction here. He goes straight to Jesus. He's in the midst of a miracle. And when he realizes what had happened, he fell to his knees at Jesus's feet and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am a sinful man. For he was awestruck. It says that he was awestruck by the number of fish as were the others. What a catch. So, Those of us that are Christ followers, our lives should be a fishing trip. And if we're doing what Jesus wants us to do and going out into the deep and dropping our nets, telling our story, then Jesus says, you fish, but I catch. Now that's a cool deal. Jesus says, you fish, you drop your nets, but I catch. You see, it's not our responsibility that people accept Christ. It's our responsibility to present the gospel, to drop our nets, to present the gospel to them, to be an amazing example to them, but also to tell our story. But it's his responsibility to draw. The Bible says that he's the one that draws all men to himself. But the deal is that you fish and he will do the catching. So, you see, this was the second call that Jesus had 
where he had tapped these guys on the shoulder. This is not their first call. He, um, he's calling you and he's calling me and he'll keep tapping. This is a command to go. Is, it, this was not an option. And see, Jesus said to us, or he said to Peter later, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Are we fishing for men? Are we following if we're not fishing? Are we real disciples? Jesus said, go. See, Matthew 28 says, go. And for the body of Christ, I don't know why we don't understand the word go. We need to go out into the deep, into the lost, and drop our net and share our story. Well, but Micah, I, I just want to be an example. You know the old saying, um, you know, share Christ, but just use words if you have to. You know, I just, I just want to live the Christian life. I just want to be an example, and people can see me and fall on their knees and love Jesus. You know what? What if Jesus had done that? Well, just going to be an example. No words. Just an example. Jesus used words. We should use words. Obviously, we live our lives as an example, and we should. But if we're believers, we have a fish story. We've got to talk to others about what he's done for us and in us. We have to pray for people and intercede for people in our lives that need him. There is nothing like being used by God. There's no high, there's no buzz, there's no trip, there's no amount of money that compares to being used by God to win souls. Let's look at Luke 5. Verses 10 and 11. 10 and 11, Jesus replies, he says, don't be afraid. You know, I know that that's the biggest thing that we face. We're afraid. What if somebody rejects us? We're afraid to share our fish story, to share our faith. And I know that every Christian has a desire. It's built in when you receive Christ to share what he's done with you or done for you and in you. I think it's important for us to understand that, first of all, he is with you. Acts 1 says that when we receive power or when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that we will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in all the earth. And then in um, Matthew chapter 28, it says, go into all nations baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely, and this is the important part, surely I am always with you until the end of the age. To know that when you step out in faith to share, you're, and you're looking for opportunity to share your faith with somebody else, and when that opportunity comes, he is there with you. In Colossians, it says to be watchful, to be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, to make the most of every opportunity, to let your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. Listen, you're looking for those opportunities. You're watching your mouth. You're watching your actions. That's good, but then you're also using 
your words. We're telling our story. And in Luke chapter 12, it says that the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So if you're afraid and you don't know, what am I going to say? What I'm telling you is that if the Holy Spirit is in you, and he is if you're a born-again Christian, and if he's nudging you to share your faith with someone, then he will give you the words if you'll just step out in faith and share. We have a responsibility as Christians and as followers of Christ to do what he did and to share. It's part of who we are as Christians. And I want to show you a video in just a second because a great segue and a great stair step to be able to do that is to invite people here to Living Word next week. Take a look at this. His passion for the blues began in the 1960s. He opened for Willie Nelson and the Doobie Brothers at the famous Sturgis Rally. He shares the power of Jesus from pulpits, festivals, and smoky bars. They call him the Electric Rev. But one day, a connection with Jimmy's past changed his life forever. In 1971, I was a selfish, out-of-control 17-year-old, and I was dating a girl who came to me one night and said, I'm pregnant. And I rejected that girl. On February 13, 2011, I was speaking in Christiana, Pennsylvania, and when I heard a voice down inside my heart, and that voice said, I'm about to change your life. And I got an email, and the email said this, it's overdue that you should meet your daughter and your grandson. Her name's Jessica. You can look her up on Facebook. I didn't want anything to do with him because he'd never been there or been around or he wasn't present. And then I got a Facebook friends request from Jimmy Bratcher. I was going through, all I can describe was the deepest grief that I have ever experienced. I couldn't believe that I was capable of hurting one of my children like I had hurt her. I told my dad, I dealt with my emotions about you a long time ago. The little girl in me wants to run to you, arms wide open. But the woman in me wants to know where you've been and why now. And I said, Jessica, I hope that the little girl wins. Meet Jimmy Bratcher and daughter Jessica Strong. Hear the music and the deeply personal story of how God's love and forgiveness has brought them together after 38 years. Sunday, October 7th at 9 and 11 a.m. at Living Word Family Church. So that is next week that we are bringing in this amazing testimony, this amazing fishing story to be able to share. It's a very touching story and it's, a, and it's gonna be an amazing weekend. And so, and we've been talking with you about this for, for weeks. And so I wanna encourage you, listen, evangelism and outreach, we define it like this. It's either bringing the gospel to people or bringing people to the gospel. 
And if you're maybe not in a place where you feel like you can lead somebody to Christ and then bring them yet, we'll bring them and then we'll lead them to life. We'll, we'll lead them to Christ. We'll throw the net. <laughs> and, um, and so I want to encourage you to bring people. You, the band, come, come, come on up if you guys want. I want to encourage you guys to bring people next week. That, um, and, and I'll tell you what, we, we kind of, we look at all the different people that come to Living Word, and you know what? 80% of the new people that come to Living Word come because you guys bring them. They didn't see an advertise somewhere. They didn't drive by. Some, sometimes that happens, but most of the time it's because you guys are bringers, that you are fishers of men. And so you are bringers. And I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. It was, it's an amazing testimony. Um, a, a lady here at the church is at Starbucks getting her morning coffee before church and strikes up a conversation with somebody. And, and she says, hey, I, I've been looking for a church as well. Can I come with you? And you know what? And, and she did come and, uh, and, and is here. Jesus said... He looked out among the crowds, all the people following him. And it says that he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. And he turns around to his disciples and he says, guys, you see all of these people. He said, the harvest is white. And that's a farming term, meaning they're all ripe. They're all ripe. But he says this, the harvest is white, but the laborers are few. It's not like, man, we have all these laborers and nobody wants Jesus. No, he's saying we've got tons of people and there are tons of people within. Uh, we've gone deep. We're, we have unsaved people and unchurched people that are all around us and they're just waiting. We're afraid of rejection, but the harvest is white. They're just waiting on somebody to ask, for somebody to ask them. I remember there was a time, um, and as extreme as this sounds, there was a time that the Holy Spirit nudged me. I just had a, I was, I was somewhere and there was a, a lady. We had two, I was sitting in a chair and she was sitting in a chair back to back with me. We were in a public place and was sitting there talking to a friend. And I just felt, I didn't hear an audible voice or anything, but for whatever reason, I just noticed her and the Holy Spirit, I just felt like was prompting me to share the gospel with her. And I'm like, uh, it's a total stranger in a public place. And so I'm wrestling. I'm not wrestling. If you know it's God, you usually don't wrestle with him because he kind of knows what he's doing. You don't guide the God, right? But the question is, is that me? Is that God? Is that, is that the devil? It's like, yes, the devil wants me to share the gospel. Okay. <laughs> is that me? Heck no, it's not me. I don't want to do this. So it must be God. So I just, all right, fine. She's a stranger. We'll, I'll never see her again. She's going to think I'm, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So I turned around and I just said, hey, I know this is kind of an odd question, but do you know Jesus personally? I mean, it was that bold, just like not, hi, my name's Micah. How you doing? Tell me about your kids. It was just flat out, do you know Jesus personally? She, began, she immediately began to weep and said, no, but I sure need to. And I led her to the Lord right there in that, in that public place. And I'm not saying that, 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 I'm just saying when the Holy Spirit nudges you, hey, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. I'm telling you, that's not the devil. And I'm telling you, that sure is not you. 
it's almost, it's, it's almost always the Holy Spirit going, hey, they need it. Will you be bold? Will you drop the net? I just want to encourage you to do that. We're going we're gonna, to go ahead and stand up. I want to say a blessing or a prayer over you just for boldness and for direction. There is darkness in people's lives everywhere. Did you know that? And he's the one that drives out the darkness. But we are his hands and his feet. Jesus had a body on the earth and he turned that entire responsibility over to us collectively. So we are his mouth. We are the love of God. And so it's our responsibility to drive out the darkness to help with, with the words of the gospel. And in just a second, we're gonna, we're gonna go back and we're gonna worship with the song. And I, I think that it's important that we understand that he drives out the darkness, he catches, but he's asking us to go fishing. Let's pray, let's speak this over ourselves. Say with me right now, I am a fisher of men. I am bold. The Holy Spirit directs me in what I should say. As I recognize opportunity, and as I step out in faith, and do what he asks me to do. Holy Spirit, send people across my path that I could be your light and your love to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.